this thing that I heard you say about a work wife. I don't like that term. I mean, maybe like work mom, office mom. Office mom. Call Not even, the I don't even want the mom. office mom serving no. my baby's food. I don't want no cougars in there. No, exactly. no place either, so. Before they get in your So there was a viral thing going on on Twitter where a woman was upset. She was at an event and another woman made her man's plate. Is that a go or is that a no-ho? Next, then we have Bomani Jones coming on. Season two of Game Theory drops tomorrow, January 20th. We tried to tell him that he was going to get a season two and that's what that man got. And then HBCUs are at the top of everybody's mind from the Deion Sanders and all the other legends coming back to coach HBCUs. Ed Reed, the Hall of Famer, is on par to be the Bethune-Cookman head coach. And boy, did he have a lot to say about how the conditions looked. We're discussing. The nonviolent movement for social change must be properly interpreted as well as developing programs that will deal with the issues of today. Dear Coretta. Dear Coretta. Dear phenomenal woman. Dear mother. You showed us that resistance is a discipline. Integrity is a practice in empathy, and courage can be cultivated by each and every one of us. Dear Coretta, thank you. Thank you. What's up? What's up, good people? We are back in this thing, Montgomery and Company, season two. It's 2023, and I mean, a lot has happened, but most recently, it was MLK Day, and I flew Snook and Diddy in because... I had the honor of a lifetime, honestly. I was invited by the King family, more particularly shouts to Dr. Reverend Bernice King. They invited me to speak at Ebenezer Baptist Church at the beloved community commemorative service. I can't say that word right, okay? So y'all know what I'm trying to say. Beloved community commemorative service. Yes, that's it. So it was at the historic Ebenezer Baptist Church where Reverend Senator Warnock is the senior pastor there. And I mean, it was crazy, y'all. It had every different religion, every walk of life, the who's who. It was just, I mean, like I felt full and Snook and Diddy was there. I mean, it was an experience of a lifetime. And shouts to Snook, by the way, she got a birthday coming up. I don't know if I'm supposed to say this out loud, but she's turning 70, baby. So shouts to my Snookabooka in this thing. Y'all, we're going to be turned up this season. I'm telling you right now, we're going to cover more sports. We heard y'all. We asked, what did y'all want us to cover more? And the thing that was leading by far was sports. So I'm going to hit y'all with a sports, a quick sports hitter. Every single episode, just what I thought about what happened this week in sports. We're going to give you a lot of different flavors. We're going to play more games. We are listening to y'all. Y'all like when we have fun. So we're going to do a lot more of that all the time. So going back to the MLK day, the NBA has MLK games every year. The headliners this year, which will probably be every year, is Atlanta and Memphis. It was on TNT, a doubleheader. And both of the home squads stood up. So again, if you don't know why Atlanta and Memphis are the headliners, Dr. Martin Luther King was from Atlanta and in Memphis, that's where he was assassinated. And both of those teams that were highlighted in the MLK games won. So Atlanta won 121 to 113 over Miami. I'm sorry, Levitard and friends. Okay, I'm sorry, you guys. And then Memphis, the Memphis Grizzlies, they've won 10 games in a row. 136 to 106 is how they beat Phoenix. And Phoenix, on the other hand, is is on a downward spiral. But it's because Chris Paul and Devin Booker aren't playing. We also had a wild weekend. It's called Super Wild Card Weekend, to be exact. And it covered all the football games, all the football teams that were trying to make it in and some that weren't. But the game that everybody's talking about was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Dallas Cowboys. Now, there's a lot of reasons people were talking about that game. One, because the kicker missed four. One, two, three, four extra kicks. If you're wondering if that is like abnormal, it's crazy. It's a record. It's never happened in the NFL before. Yes, I Googled it and the internet was going crazy. They thought that he had some Vegas ties or something going on. That's allegedly. I'm not putting that on that man. I hope he gets out of his kicking slump because I felt bad for him. 
People were also going crazy because Stephen A was talking a lot of noise and then they couldn't wait for him to have to go on the first take and have to basically face the music about the Cowboys because Cowboys fans, if y'all don't know, Cowboys fans is like Lakers fans. That's how I equate them. They're both kind of similar, very large and very loud. Here's another reason that game was talked about a lot. Your boy Tom Brady, and I'm saying your boy because it's a lot of people's boy. Your boy Tom Brady had probably one of his worst games that you've ever seen him have. He threw his first ever red zone interception for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He had passed 66 times. He was constantly on the run. It was one of the games. It's like you're just not used to seeing Tom Brady look like that. So then it brings the question that everybody started to ask, is Tom Brady done? Like, what's going to happen with Tom Brady? Like, what are we looking at here? He, of course, in his press conference, they asked him that, and he told everybody, you know what, I'm just going to go home, I'm going to have a good nice rest, and I'm just going to take it day by day. That's everything that you could have expected Tom Brady to say. So I went to Twitter and asked, what do y'all think? I said, does Tom Brady retire or come back for another year? Shouts to y'all because 5,000 people plus responded to this poll. And would you believe that it was a 50-50? And I'm about to send a screenshot just so I'll post it so y'all can know. It was 50-50 the last time I checked that. People really have no idea what Tom Brady's about to do. But here's the kicker. Tom Brady is reported that he has a $300 million offer waiting on him from Fox. To do what? Be an analyst. Now, none of us has heard Tom Brady be an analyst before, but Tom Brady is Tom Brady. So Fox wanted to get a jump on everything and just be like, look, if you are deciding to retire, let me know because we want you $300 million of we want you. So that's a little bit of football news. Now, there's some other news going on, too. The NWSL has increased its salary cap by 25% to nearly $1.4 million. Listen to that, 1.4 million. Women's sports is on the rise. I'm just going to say that. And then the Ottawa Senators could be the NHL's first Black-owned team. A group of 13 to 15 investors led by L.A.-based entrepreneur Nico Sparks is preparing to submit a bid to purchase the NHL franchise when the sale process formally opens. The team is currently the 24th most valuable NHL franchise at $800 million. That's according to Forbes. But it could be sold for as much as $950 million. Now, the Sparks Investor Group is made up of 75% people of color from the U.S. and from Canada. Here's the interesting part about this whole thing as well. Other than the fact that it might be the first minority-owned team. Ryan Reynolds has publicly said that he wants to be an owner-investor in this team. The commissioner of the NHL has also said that he wants Ryan Reynolds to be an investor of this team. So I'm curious if they listed the 13 to 15 people that are in there. I'm wondering if Ryan Reynolds is in there because he also said that he doesn't want to be the majority owner, but he wants to be a part of the ownership. And that's Gary Bettman, who is the commissioner that mentioned that. So this is going to get interesting. Sports is on the rise, especially when it comes to ownership. Patrick Mahomes just became another owner of his third franchise in Kansas City. So he's racking them up right now. Sports ownership is trendy, is hot, is sexy. We in there, baby. That's all I got this week. But I'm going to be back every week with my thoughts, my updates, and my opinions. Let's go. Okay, so we back up on this Twitter thing. And like I told you guys, we're going to be bringing Twitter topics to the podcast all the time. This topic was a woman that was not happy. So they went to an event and there was another woman at the event that fixed her man's plate for her man. She had a real problem with that and basically was like, if y'all didn't know, you don't fix another man's plate, basically, if if he's taken. So I'm bringing it to the pod right now. (laughs) Oh, I didn't know that was... What is it? What are you talking about here? Yeah, so would you have a problem if somebody fixed Shannon's plate at an event? What type of event are we talking about? <laughs> I, I, I need to have some... You know, if we at home and Sam says, Hey, Cole, you no, need to fix Shannon's plate. No, this is not a family situation. Or, or mom's like, Fra- oh, I'm going to okay. Plate. Family's okay. No, this is not good. a family yeah. situation. They were at an event. Um, I think they said it was a work mixer. And somebody from work, basically the work wife 
fixed her plate. Uh, 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 work wife. That's, see, that's, that's that? a problem right there. Yeah. What's mm-hmm. a work wife? No. Well, well, let me mm-hmm. just give you some history on on how <laughs> I feel about it. I was raised by my grandmother who who had a lot of different ideas about a lot of different things, and <laughs> I was very young when I brought. Well, I was in college. I was eighteen, and I brought my future husband to the house to oh. have dinner. And my grandmother in front of him said, because the food was sitting there and I didn't do anything to put it on his plate. She said, girl, get up here and fix this boy's plate. You didn't allow other women to fix your man's plate. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and so, you know, I looked at her. She said, get over there and get that boy's plate. And so he was just <laughs> grinning because, like, you know, got he the man or whatever. <laughs> and after he left, I asked her. And, and see, she came from a time when people did things. And I think more of her reason for doing that was because people used to put things in people's food mm. and she believed in that old voodooish kind of stuff. Oh, and so she Lord, was they put saying, spells in the food? Yeah, hmm. she said uh, you don't allow other women to fix your man's food. So anyway. I mean, that along with every other reason, I mean, that makes <laughs> sense. I, you know, like, I don't want nobody cursing my baby's food or anything <laughs> like that, okay? But, I mean, it was so funny because we kind of brought it up to Diddy and Diddy was like, uh-uh, Ms. Whitaker said that nobody <laughs> supposed to serve your food and I was like that's what I be trying to say Diddy so <laughs> Renee she doesn't really understand that I grew up in a very traditional household as well you know like I mean my mom she doesn't always serve my dad sometimes he'll serve himself but it's not going to be any other woman serving him she's going to be the one <laughs> serving him I mean maybe me but like Cole said if it's family that's okay you know like yeah, but, okay, but yeah. this thing that I heard you say about a work wife I don't like that term I mean maybe like work mom office mom like really said Okay, office mom call. In the <laughs> well, office. No, 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 no. I don't want no cougars in there. No, exactly. Making no plates either. So <laughs> let me just let y'all know. I'm going to tell you this right now. My husband's fired. He no longer works there because after I got through dragging, first of all, I'm dragging him first. Why would you even take a plate from another woman? Why would you allow right. How does she know what you like? We got a lot of questions like? we need to right, go back right. and ask. That's, the because he's his, that's his work mom or work uh, 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 wife. So uh, uh, she's uh, there uh, with him nope. on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. It's just care. you just so happen mm-hmm. to be there for the company just party. Just so happen. I was here before he got here. Don't end no, just so happen. Mm-hmm. So again, he's fired. <laughs> <laughs> you just quit for Shannon and he didn't even want to quit. He quit. I don't care. <laughs> Because I understand there's some dynamics here that have to be cleared up. And somebody is going to be embarrassed because when I drag somebody, I ain't just going to be dragging her, but she coming along with us. She ain't going to get dragged, and she's going to get dragged. He will get embarrassed. You, you got a thumbs up from Snook. Yes, yeah, Snook gave a thumbs up. I want to no, hear but what, from the what fellas. What do I tell you, Renee? What do I tell you every time before you leave the house? Sam tells me I can't even leave the house hungry because she don't even want to I present the idea that I Nuh-uh. need to even eat once I no. leave the house. <laughs> So no. I want to bring the guys Mm-mm. in because yes. I want to hear, first I want to hear from the guys, you got to say your status. Are you single? Are you married? I do think that this matters. So start <laughs> off by saying, are you single and are you married? Does a woman normally make your plate? Because here's the thing. A lot of guys is like, look, I wish my girl would just make one plate, much less I have another <laughs> woman making the plate. So you got to remember that everybody ain't making their man's plate. So I want to hear from the fellas. We got Roy, we got Diddy, we got Paul on the chat. Let me hear you guys. What are y'all's thoughts? Sound off. Now, I'm married. So be careful what you say, Roy. And also, I'm doing the majority of the cooking. So technically, oh, I'm wow. serving her plate. Okay. If this woman. Kudos. Is serving everybody's <laughs> plate. Or if I'm at her house with my wife and she's serving my wife's plate. It's all good. I mean, I could kind of see that maybe, maybe. Get up and get your own plate. I don't care if she's, <laughs> who she's serving. You get up and get your own plate. That, that, that's what, what it's going to be. What is she serving uh, your I plate? I don't care. Huh? No, she ain't going to serve my, my plate either. So <laughs> oh, okay. you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> get up and go get your own plate. Why oh, is this go. cracking Jeez. me up? Right. Paul, Danny, what's up? Y'all single? Y'all like, what's going on? And what's the deal? I am single, but. Just like Serena, I am Hispanic. So Hispanically, <laughs> guys normally don't do the serving. Technically, even if you're single, because if you're at oh. like a family event or anything like that, normally that's where your mom or your grandma will come to serve you. That's where everyone's like, oh, Hispanic guys are babied. Um, but it's, just, it's a cultural thing. But if you're at your family gathering and your girlfriend or wife doesn't serve you, your mom's looking at you like, you better find a new girlfriend. <laughs> Right. That is um, so true. true. 
because that's mm-hmm. one of the like the checkoff things of like, all right, is she good? Yes. Yeah. All right. Is she yes. taking care of you or good? not? Exactly. Yes. Mm-hmm. So being a Hispanic, you know, that's that's definitely a no no. Unless it's like your aunt or your mom or your grandma. Yes, and and I, and I like that new term you coined. Hispanically, I like is that. a no go. Paul, talk to us. Are you single? I'm actually curious about this. Are you single, Paul? I don't know, but I know, right? Making your plate. Is it okay? Talk to us. I'm single, and yeah, I agree with Danny. But I'll take another angle. I'm kind of picky, so like I just might make my own plate. So oh, you ain't having the work wife. Have you ever had a work wife or a work girl? Like you know that term. I don't people like this do? work wife term. <laughs> I don't want to work. I don't want to hang out with coworkers. I don't know how to feel about that. Considering we're kind of like coworkers. I know. We're family. We're family. You better watch me step. I'm talking about the old corporate world. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't want nobody making your plate. Maybe it depends. I've told you I'm picky. So, but your girlfriend will know your pickiness. Uh, I don't know. Well, if he's single (laughs) and a chick wants to make his plate, like I hate when even when stuff's not. Cooked right, like I need it, like well done. Usually, like I need it cooked. So oh, now yeah. so he's mad at the cook. He don't want you to make his he plate. Want he want to talk about the chef. The guys is picky out here, so the temperature. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't like your food touching each other. Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> Let me just say one thing. I go to church a lot, and the only time it's cool for some woman to fix a married man's plate is when it's the pastor and they're serving the whole table. So, you know, okay. they'll serve them like that, and you can go with that. But otherwise, <laughs> okay. So the people have spoken, and it seems like all the way across the board. We said, don't touch our hair. Don't touch our man's plate. Just don't do it. And if you got a work wife, because I, you know, that's a common term I see all the Stop time. It. Stop Y'all saying better work start wife. being careful with that work wife and work husband, because sometimes you be forgetting that it's fake. All right. Don't do it. I just know that if I'm not serving my baby's plate, ain't nobody else going to, ain't no other woman going to serve my baby's plate. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> So now that you know the list of things that you don't do, one, don't touch our hair and don't touch our man or woman's plate. All right. Now, you know, in case you ain't know. So now, you know, and now I want to have a little chat with my guy, Bomani Jones, who has his own show on HBO. He has his own show on HBO, Game Theory. I talked to him about a little bit of everything. What's season two like? What's different? Holla at me, Bomani. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Bomani Jones back at it again. Thank you for joining us. Congratulations on season two on everything else you're doing. I just have to say that at the top because we love a good black excellence. I appreciate you. All right. So I want to kind of jump into something. We saw the Real House Husbands of DC premiered when we recently saw it took 15 ballots to get Kevin McCarthy to get get the amount of votes to win. A lot of people aren't following politics, but for the people who may not fully understand, I like to call it like, you know how people say mansplaining things? Yes. I like to sportsplain thing. So for you, if you could sports explain what happened that somebody had to have 15 votes to get in, how would you do that? I mean, it's kind of like, what if you were set to coach a team? You've been working for this team for a very long time, right? But you can't get the job unless the players are down with you. Right. And you had some players that like was getting a little bit rowdy over there, but you kind of needed them in order to make this happen, you know, to get things going the way you did. And you would empower them players. And then all of a sudden you look up and those players are like, so here's what you about to do. if You're going to be the coach. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, but I ain't really trying to do all that. But that's what you're going to have to do. Well, all right, well, let's vote on it. 
And then he just kept going out there knowing that the players did not want him to be the coach, but he wanted to be the coach so bad that finally he told the players, like, fine, y'all ain't even got to wear uniforms. Y'all can just show up whenever y'all want, whatever it is, just as long as I'm the coach. And now he about to have to coach a team he can't control. Wow. I want y'all to know that was on spot. Like he didn't, I didn't pre-prepare these questions and send them. <laughs> that was just on spot sports planning. Thank you. I think there were a couple of flagrant fouls that happened at the house. Yes. It got physical. Like we saw a lot of video of what was going on. That would be like last chance you. You got the player who has been mired in scandal telling <laughs> you what to do. Right. Like calling your game out like, hey, man, maybe it shouldn't be somebody that wanted that bad. Right. Maybe that shouldn't be it. Like the whole reason why you shouldn't want to be the coach of this team. Like basically it's like you want to be a coach of a team so bad that you like Houston Texans. Fine. I'll show up. But what if the Texans just had a bunch of malcontents? Yo, that's called sports plating. I love it because that's exactly what happened when it took that many votes and everything happened. So thank you for that. We also, speaking of getting a little physical now, we recently saw a video surface with Dana White. He got physical with his wife. And I couldn't help but think about that Sean Connery interview with Barbara Walters. I don't know if you saw it, but he kind of mentioned sometimes you can slap your wife if she goes a little too far. And I really feel like that's a sentiment that people, some people adopt, but don't say out loud. What are your thoughts on the whole situation and how it's unfolded and been handled by the media? Well, I think there are two levels to it, right? And I think that one level is most of us grew up with the idea that if somebody hits you, you have the right to hit them back, right? However, that is not the same thing as self-defense. And I think that's an important distinction because it wasn't a matter of date because she slapped him first. But I don't think from watching that, that in order to defend or protect himself, that he was obligated to hit her back. There's some situations in which that happens, right? I don't know how many of them involve a woman that's smaller than you if you are a man, but sometimes that happens. But that wasn't what this was. He hit her back because he was mad that she hit him, Mm -hmm. which is an understandable emotion, but you can't do that, right? If you want me to explain to you why you can't do that, I'm not going to do it, right? You just can't do that. Sometimes you don't need an explanation. We got to treat you like a child, right? Because I said so. You can't do that. All right. What gets me about the response is, one, I think it is very easy to make a criticism of the larger media for, I guess, what they would term to be cowardice. This is a very powerful person, and he is involved in something that is not just scandalous, but the way that we handle this is typically pretty obvious. And we tend to go over the top with our outrage about these things. And that hasn't happened here, right? Like, it's not that nobody said anything. I think the USA Today immediately asked that he leave his job. And there have been other people who have said the same thing about it. But to me, this is a testament and a reflection of how little people think of Dana White and the operation he runs, right? So comparatively speaking, Floyd Mayweather, who has many allegations of violence against women in his past. And people ask the question as to, well, why is it that he's able to skate by? Because people don't expect no better of him. Like he didn't ultimately disappoint them in behaving like this. He is a boxer and we don't expect very much out of boxers, right? You punch people for a living. We're not surprised when you punch people when you're off the clock. But Dana White is like, people think that little of him, too. So it's almost like it's not a sh- surprise. So that's why it's not an outrage. Right. That's the only thing that I can get. But that doesn't justify the relatively muted response to this, particularly not so much from the media, be- though I think that obviously the media deserves a scrutiny on this, but Endeavor. Like Dana White doesn't own UFC. UFC is owned by Endeavor, which is a major company. They are one of the major agencies, right? Like they rep a zillion people. I'm not intimating that Endeavor is telling their clients not to talk about it. But I will say it took Endeavor five days to even put out a statement. Wow. And he still got his job. Now, I'm asking this question sincerely. If the CEO of Endeavor were caught on camera slapping his wife, that will no longer be the CEO of Endeavor. So I don't see how they reconcile anything that we've seen right now. He's just not supposed to be working there anymore, period. 
even hearing you talk right now, I remember you recently spoke about the Mars collapse and how the NFL wanted to play. And then I saw a fan wrote, like, this is sort of disingenuous for you to say things while being employed by ESPN, who profits a little bit. And so it made me think you are very outspoken. Do you ever get concerned about that dynamic of saying something that your employer or or feeling like you shouldn't say something because of who you're employed by? Because, you know, these, like you just said, this is a powerful person you're speaking about right now in Dana White. Not really. Like, I don't think I'm going to catch no hell for saying something that's legitimately fair, right? Like, I don't think I'm saying anything about this that is inflammatory. Like, what I do try to do in circumstances like that is to try to keep it to the things that cannot be argued and then avoid saying something personal about whoever that person is, right? So that if something gets taken out, there's a chunk or whatever, you hear it, and then we go from there. But like, if we being honest about this, if I were to be subject to some measure of discipline for what I just said here about Dana White, or even what I said on my own podcast about Dana White, what, two, three million dollars I would ultimately make? And I don't mean by no lawsuit, right? Like. I would turn into the super martyr of all <laughs> martyrs if that were to happen. Bomani Jones says he can't believe Dana White still has a job and then I get fired or something else like that. Oh, you just make me a king. Right. In doing no, that. that's true. You know, and I, so I don't think I don't think my bosses are concerned with that. Right. Like, I don't think that's the reason why I can say this necessarily. But I do recognize on something like this. Worst case scenario for me really wouldn't be that bad. Right. True. No. Okay. So let's move on to game theory because we have to talk about that. Season two premieres in January 20th, the day after this release. And I remember when we were talking to you before, you said you don't even know if there was going to be a season two, but you wanted it. So how do you feel now after it's greenlit? What, what's different? What's going to be different this year, if anything? Well, one thing that's going to be different is that what the last season didn't have was enough me. And what I mean by that is I am at my best just going. So like when you asked me that question off the top about sports playing and that, like, and she's right. I didn't know that question was coming. <laughs> I really hadn't given that any thought and I did it right there. That's when I'm at my best. Like when I do podcasts and stuff like that, I'm not working from notes. I don't come up with an outline before I get out there. You just go. The problem is a big television operation is not formatted in such a way where everybody can do their jobs just sitting there waiting to see what direction I'm going to go in this time, right? Like, yeah. like you can't do that. You got to give people some measure of a plan. But what we're figuring out in different parts is how to give those people a plan, but not have me doing something scripted necessarily. And so we're figuring out parts of the show where we can just let me go because then once that happens, the energy is a little bit different. I don't feel like I'm reading. I'm not trying to pay attention to this teleprompter. Like there are all these million different things that go on. And so we're adding more elements that will allow for the things that people who are familiar with me and most of whom would say like the things that I do best. We're trying to put those things um, in there. But we got a bigger writing staff. We got more talented people that are going to be around this. We just dropped a promo uh, for this at the time of this recording. Come on, elevate! You know, so like we want this to be bigger. And the difference for me in terms of the feeling, like I did say last time, I don't know if there's going to be a season two because that ain't my decision. And I told you there was going to be a season two, first of all. We all knew it. If you didn't know, we all knew it. Hey, man, you know what, though? We I've known a lot of things that ain't happening. You know <laughs> what I mean? <laughs> like, like, that's just what it is. And I was just so happy to have gotten the the opportunity and to have gotten the chance to have done it, that I didn't want to think about that other stuff. I just wanted to get in and enjoy what it was that I was doing. But now that we got that, and I got a bit of a taste, and I got a better handle on what, I was, what I'm doing, it goes from that first time, like, ooh, lucky me, now to, okay, well, how do we make this better? How do we get this? How do we keep this going? Like, I got a taste of what it is, and I know how to do it now a little bit. And so I would like this to be a sustaining thing. Like I would like for when we come back in the fall, that there will be more episodes of Game Theory. And so I do feel like a little more pressure in that way. And it's not pressure that anybody else is putting on me. It's my recognition that we got a chance to really elevate this now and really take it to a place and the people who work on the show to give them a measure of stability where they're not doing a show, then waiting six months or waiting to see what's going to happen or whatever. Like this could be people's full-time jobs if we do this right. And I would like to do that. And so I've worked hard to get better myself. Got a, a performance coach okay. to help me get better at reading off the stuff off the teleprompter and things like that. Yeah, because, I mean, we know the show needed to get better. 
but that means I got to get better. And so I can't be like coming in and looking at everybody else and being like, hey, you need to step this up. Hey, this is the thing you need to step up. And I ain't looking at myself trying to find the things that I can step up. And so I'm trying to be as good at this as I possibly can. So that's amazing. And so is improv a big part of the show? Like for your particular parts, like you try, I know you said you have a framework. So are you improv a lot on the show? Well, what we're going to try to do with this season, I don't know if improv is the way to put it. Like I know what I want to say about something, but what I'm not going to get bogged down by is like individual lines and Got like, you. you know, in those sorts of things. Like we're just working on how to figure out the format to let the elements do a lot of like the explaining that has to be done so I don't have to waste time trying to like stack this story up and then get restarted to give you where it is that I'm coming from. And so, you know, I have bullet points in my mind. We'll have bullet points in the teleprompter. Like, make sure you say these things. You want to get this line in, say this thing at the end so the director knows it's time to wipe and go to something else. Like those sorts of things. Got you. But I'm going to give you hopefully more of that spontaneous energy than the rehearsed energy. I love it. Season two, Game Theory comes out January 20th. You have a podcast, The Right Time, that releases weekly. Thank you for joining us. I Listen, I'm already tuned in. Is there going to be more episodes this year or is it going to be the same amount? And you're, you're saying you were trying to get more in the fall. No, like, we what, got what more. We we're going to do 10 episodes this season. We had six episodes last season. We're doing 10 episodes. We got all most of like at least nine out of the 10 uh, longer essays. We've got those figured out. We got a few ideas about things you want to go out in the field and get done and shoot for this. So. Nah, we got 10 episodes this time, man. That, Let's that, go. I take that as a show of confidence from the bosses. It is Game Theory on HBO, in case you ain't know so. Bomani Jones, thank you for coming through. Not once, but twice, okay? Thank you. Hey, I'll come back a third time if you have Come me. on with it. <laughs> come on with it. <laughs> thank you. All right, now. I'm telling you, Game Theory has the potential to run for 10 plus seasons. I like I'm going to be watching this season. You better, too. It's on HBO. It drops tomorrow. And now we're going to get into a more controversial topic. HBCUs aren't controversial, but the funding behind them is starting to be controversial. The coaches that go there are starting to be a little controversial. The main thing we all want is more funding. But in the process, things happen and we're going to talk about it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reed is regarded as one of the best safeties in NFL history, having earned a first ballot enshrinement with the Pro Football Hall of Fame's class of 2019. Now he's 44 and he's looking to go into coaching where he's slated to be the head coach of HBCU Bethune-Cookman. Now there's a lot of chat going on because Ed Reed had a problem with how the campus looked when he arrived there. Listen to it. Ben Mutton is showing shit. I chose not to. But now I'm out here walking with the football team, picking up trash. But I'm mutting us. Man, get out of here, man. I should leave. I'm not even under contract doing this. I'm mutting us. Man, get out of here, man. They mutt me. These motherfuckers ain't even clean my damn office when I got here. I'm mutting y'all. Get your ass, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. All this shit here was trash in front of me. Who you think got this shit cleared out? That building right there got trash in it. It's fucking trash. What are you talking about? I need no damn donors to come out and help out because people just want money. That's why I don't, that's why I don't fuck with social network. Fuck out of here, man. Okay, you guys. So we've heard what Ed Reed had to say. Ooh. We bleeped out the language. Excuse the language, but you could just tell he's a passionate dude by the way that he talks. And you have to remember... 
these are athletes that are going now to his first time coaching. And I don't know if it's his first time coaching at all, but we know that this is his first time coaching in college. So I'm curious your thoughts. I'm just going to leave the table open. What are our thoughts on the Ed Reed rant that happened on his Instagram live? Well, I just like to jump in here first because I know mine is going to be different than everyone else's. First of all, <laughs> you know, I'm old school and I believe that family stuff should be kept in the family and not out in the public. And so having worked for an HBCU, I know that there's a lot of things that could fall through the cracks and athletics is one of them. They sometimes barely have enough money to outfit a classroom for things that are needed for curriculums or whatever. So my feelings about this is that since you just got the job (laughs) and you haven't even started yet, you've already turned a whole lot of people off, mainly your alumni. (laughs) And Mm. those are the people who will come in there and do things for you when the school can't afford to do them for you. So I just feel that all of that that you said should have been held and given to the athletic director and all of that and not just thrown out there for the public. And also, I have a friend who her son was going to a D1 school. And she had the nerve to be upset because these, you have to remember, are young people coming from high school to college. A lot of parents still don't think that they're grown yet. And so they might not like the football coach speaking in that manner to their kids or whatever. But this parent was upset and wanted to report the person to the school for uh, the coach using profanity. Now here you might have parents who see this and say, oh, I don't know of him talking like that, that I want my kids down there. So that's just my old school <laughs> two cents. That's just I like that. old school I like two that, cents. Okay. I mean, Renee always talks about the old school, new school approach of coaching. So I, I understand what you mean, Snook. Well, I'm going to jump in here and say two different things. Uh, first of all, I agree that black, you know, HBCUs don't have the funding that most schools have, especially D1, to do uh, above board things. But I do feel like trash being picked up is not one of them. I agree with Ed Reed, where to say you have students on campus, they do get jobs on campus. And if you have a trash problem on campus, then somebody has to pick it up and you can get different groups to do it. You can assign it to different groups. The team could actually do it. As far as his office and all that, that's something the administration has to address. You can't just go into somebody's office and start cleaning stuff. You know, that part is something that he should have said something to the administration. He shouldn't have said anything out as far as that. But the trash on campus, wherever it is, it shouldn't have been there. Mm-hmm. Period. And I don't think then, like he said, that's not money. That's literally saying, OK, guys, we're going to take pride in our campus and let's get some people out here and let's clean the trash up. That's literally to me. That's what it reminds me of. Second of all is if your child is playing football and they are over the age 18, they could go to war. They could hear a cuss word. I'm going to need people. <laughs> I'm going to need people to calm down with thinking if somebody cusses at you, if they go into the military, Guess what? They cussing at you at the military. They shooting at you. They waking you up at five o'clock in the morning. They're putting you, your body, your mind and your soul through all these changes. So for Mm -hmm. you to think that even if your child is a D1 recruit and has been is going to a D1 college for you to think that a cuss word or actually a multiple cuss words is outrageous it just doesn't make sense listen to me. i done been cussed out now y'all got <laughs> I've be been out cussed too. out plenty i mean, cussed out real I, good wait a minute i was cussed out before we was in college <laughs> i mean i don't understand it's football so i'm just saying i need people to stop being so sensitive because when your son's getting hit by a 300 pound man how sensitive are you gonna be i mean come mm-hmm. on you put him in that situation so ed first of all Ed is a Baltimore Raven. Yes, Raven. Hey, shout yes, to Baltimore. Yes, yes, yes. He was one of my favorite Ravens players. And I he he's always been like that. So yeah. if you are not used to that, then you're not used to it. That's fine. But that doesn't make it seem like, oh, he's a bad person. No, he's actually telling the truth. He's a bad person. No, I'm saying the people who are online saying, oh, he shouldn't have done. No, y'all need to clean up the campus. That has mm-hmm. nothing to do with donors. I agree with him. So mm-hmm. on no. one point, I think he could have came with a better way to break it. But again, you know, maybe that'll be the something that they'll get, jump on and get and get themselves together with. So, yeah, well, I mean, he is old school, so I think his approach is going to be a little robust 
anyway, you know, it's gonna, it's not gonna be so politically correct, not so PC. I'm more hung up on the fact that he says social network. I, when I when I heard social network, I started I, I started cracking up because he's like, I hate social network. I was like, man, okay, so that's how you know he's really old school. But it reminded me. <laughs> oh, I do better than that, don't I? Yeah, you do. Snook, you do. <laughs> No, but you know what? I'm not, I'm not actually against him pointing it out. You know, it reminded me of something. So we attended the, um, like Renee said, we attended the Ebenezer, uh, you know, commemorative service for Martin Luther King this week. And Bernice King, she said that one of the first things that she said, she said, I'm tired. You know, like we have done so much, but we have such a long way to go still. And she said, I'm tired. I remember somebody was talking about Coach Prime saying that Coach Prime did a lot to elevate, you know, the awareness of HBCUs, but he can't do it all by himself. You know, it takes a collective because people do get tired when they try to lift up a whole program by themselves. They know that he needs help. And so by people criticizing him today. Oh, you shouldn't be doing it. You shouldn't say it like this. You shouldn't say it like that. He's more so trying to bring awareness. And instead of people criticizing him, they should help out the school, you know, because while HBCUs are in need of resources, it starts like everybody else, you know, that cliche saying it starts within, it starts with us. So it starts within the school. P- students within the school need to help the school stay clean and stay up to par. So I don't necessarily disagree with him pointing that out. Yeah, I think that the general sentiment is that it's how he approached it. You know, I think that a lot of people would have rathered, maybe to Snook's point, he went to the athletic director first and voiced all of those opinions. But you got to remember, I think he was a little bit shocked at first, too. And he's a passionate dude. To Cole's point, players are passionate. How you talk in the locker room is not how you can talk to everybody because everybody's not used to how you talk in the locker room. I would want somebody that passionate coaching my son, like in a sense of you can tell that if he didn't care, he wouldn't care. If you don't care, you don't care. That's a man that looked like he cared. And here's another little interesting nugget about the fact that all these NFL legends, because he's a Hall of Famer, Dion Prime time is a legend. These guys are bringing big time recruits and big names to these HBCUs, which if you don't know, that's when the dollars start to come. You start to get your name, image and likeness built for not just yourself, but Deion Sanders, as we've seen in Colorado, they said they had their phones were ringing off the hook of people that wanted to attend Colorado just to be coached by Prime. Well, the same might happen for Ed Reed. And it's already happened a little bit where LeBron James' nephew is Austin Mims, and he received an offer from Bethune-Cookman football. So there's a connection there of, yes, you're going to have these football legends that maybe come to HBCUs. And I know I saw a lot of people saying, you know, like, well, if you don't want to be in an HBCU, don't be there. I don't think that's necessarily that they don't want to be there. I think that they want better for the players that are there. They want to be able to pour into the players that are there. And with name, image, and likeness, like an Ed Reed or a Primetime, that's exactly where you might want your son to be because now you might see endorsements trickle in. You're getting coached by people that have played at the highest level. We see that there's a lot of coaches that have never played the game at a high level, and that's fine because some of the best coaches haven't. You know, I was coached by Coach Gino Ariema, who's going to be one of the best in the game. He didn't make it pro. You know, he played in college, but he didn't make it pro. So it doesn't mean that you have to make it pro to be a great coach. But if you have a coach that can say, look, man, I've been in your position, like our coach Tunisia Wright for the Atlanta Dream, there's no player on the team that will have been in a situation that she's never been in because she's been in every single situation. So when she's talking to you and she can be like, look, man, I was coming off the bench one time and I thought I could play. She's talking to you from a firsthand experience. And so that's exactly what you're going to get with Coach Ed Reed. And yes, his approach was maybe not the best. But no, but not necessarily. He could have came out of an office and had that conversation. So he could have already mm-hmm. talked to the administration. That's true. He could have already talked to everybody and said, listen, I'm going to be bringing people to this campus. This cannot happen. Like, I think this more so him saying everybody's getting on me because I'm bringing awareness. Y'all need to know. And the thing is, is that let the people know. I don't want to bring a school to this campus and it looks like this or bring potentially his friends who are NFL players who are going to pour into the school and they pull up and there's trash everywhere. So it's not just him saying he could have, for all we know, everybody say, well, he should have said it with this. I even said it. But then again, every type person, he probably started there first. It probably <laughs> trickled out to outside, but he started in the office. Like, come on, guys. Well, you know. I would be personally offended. I worked in an HBCU on hiring committees and things. And what I see is that he's never worked in higher education. He should have had a mentor or a support person 
and they're kind of bringing him in to how higher education works or whatever. Like better protocols, right? Yeah. Well, it's, mm-hmm. it's social media. Ain't no protocol true. for that. That's true. He's in social, it's, it's wild social media. Well, no, no. I'm just saying someone could have told him, you know, yes, this is bad. And this, these are the avenues that you have that we can kind of correct this. Instead of, like I said, I'm one where you have dirty family business. You keep it within the family first before you you go out. I'm just saying. No, I'm I agree. Saying. But the fact of matter is, let me tell you how simple it was to fix the problem, which is why he's upset. He took the football team. He took all the people he could and he walked around and picked up trash. The same thing the administration should have and could have done before he got there. Or hired somebody to do. There's no protocol to telling the football team, you got Ed Reed coming, you got this coach. Y'all need to go out there. Somebody could have oversaw it and had them do it before he got there. That's the only part I don't agree with because that's something they saw the same trash that he saw and they did the same thing. Once he got there, he told, get these football players out here and get this trash. (laughs) So here's another nugget too to think about. He was senior football advisor at Miami 2020 through 2022. He basically had a firsthand seat at all the things that Miami was getting, you know, like Miami is a big school, you know, like that's a big time university. So he basically went from seeing what those perks would look like to go into an HBCU and seeing that, man, the trash isn't getting cleaned up even here. But this trash. He <laughs> didn't complain about, no, but see, what we're talking about is two different things. Mm-hmm. He's not talking about perks. Right. He's talking about trash. True. He said his office wasn't cleaned out. He said so there was trash all over the You know, so that's what I'm saying. So it'd be one thing if he said, they don't even have weights. They don't even have. He complained nothing about yeah. what they did not have. Mm-hmm. He complained about trash. And regardless of where you go, that shouldn't be an issue that he walked into. I'm sorry. He didn't put down the school. He put down the trash when it's going to campus. It makes it bad. People are already turned off like the alumni. They're probably already embarrassed and turned off. They should have been turned off before. I don't see how how did they, I'm just saying maybe they didn't know. Maybe he needed to call, like I've been to meetings where they've had to call in the alumni to come and do different things. They should have done that before he got there. Ma, let me tell you something. <laughs> let me just say this. West Virginia State University has the one of the most beautiful campuses probably mm-hmm. in the state of West Virginia. It is absolutely gorgeous. Definitely, She's yes. 100% right. She does not understand this mentality because it was never the mentality on Snoop, that campus. Snoop, would you go to state and clean up the trash if you noticed that state was getting trash? Would you go yourself and clean it up? Yeah. See, and that's Aww. what we're saying. That's all yeah. it takes. That's all it takes. But did they know? I mean, like I'm saying, he announced it on social network or media or whatever. <laughs> he, he, he did that. But did he call and say, we need to get some people. He should have talked with whoever. He I'm sure he did. And Alan and to himself in there. I, I'm just, I just don't Mom, believe. I'm, I'm pretty sure. We don't know all the details, but I'm pretty sure he was very vocal with them the same way he, because somebody he had to clean He hasn't even that signed office. his contract yet. So this yeah. is his first time on campus, probably. He was probably coming to see it, but what what y'all need to understand is, look, Snook attended an HBCU, then coached at an HBCU for 30 years. I think that she's like a lot of people under the comments that they don't want nobody talking bad about an HBCU. It don't matter what the, <laughs> I, I, it don't matter totally what the circumstances are. There's a pride that comes along with attending an HBCU or being an alumni of an HBCU. So I think Snook is always going to be like, look, I don't care what it was. I, don't I, talk I about the HBCU. Too. I, I, I don't think they should have talked about it like that either. But at the same time, we always want people to shield us from what we think is fuel. This That's not hard. That's, that's mm. not a hard Thing to fix. I yeah. would say it would be different if it was more, if it was for more money. Mm-hmm. But that's not hard. Let me just give an advice to anybody who gets a job and hasn't signed the contract yet. <laughs> Wait until you're a John Hancock. <laughs> I know. I wonder what the school is going to think about it. this now. Actually, to that point, let me tell you guys, he has now issued an apology that said, in regards to my social media and comments about the university staff and other institutions, I would like to sincerely apologize to all BCU staff, students, and alumni for my lack of professionalism. He ain't write that. He didn't write that. 
<laughs> the school. Gonna end. He didn't Listen, write that. We got to wrap Somebody wrote social media for him. We got to wrap this up, y'all. It was probably a condition for him to sign the contract. First of all, you like this contract is holding him hostage. I'm telling you. You need to want him to coach there. Right. He don't. He can walk away from it. He ain't hurting. Yeah. Well, they want him to start on a good foot. You never want to start bad. You want to start good. I think that the problem is also the generalization. I think that people probably drew an assumption from that and drew a generalization that all HBCUs are, you know, looking like that. And that's just not the truth. So I think that, you know, there is some truth to what the people are mad about. You know, like he just made in lieu of bringing awareness to his HBCU, he kind of made a generalization. uh, People made a generalization about all HBCUs, which is not right. And to end this, Roy said... Ed said social media. Mm. Someone else wrote that for him. I told you. <laughs> he right there. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I see it right there. Somebody wrote that for him. <laughs> that, was, he, that was a legally scripted uh, statement right there. <laughs> hyped to be back y'all for real for real like i'm excited to be back we're excited to bring you topics that are relevant and happening now and give our opinions just like with the hbcus and next week we have last chance use head coach john mosley coming on he has some similar struggles to hbcus coaching at a juco so i talked to him about those struggles his thoughts on Deion sanders is he going to get his own Netflix show? I mean, I talked to him about a little bit of everything. How does he balance? What was it like? Did he pitch to Netflix and Netflix come to him? I'm going to talk all about it next week. And also, hit up Montgomery Co. Pod if you have anything that you want us to talk about. Send us the clip. Send us whatever. It's a generational thing. Hello, it is your partner, Big Boy. Interested in giving back to your community while making new connections in your neighborhood? Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network that empowers you to take action, contribute to local needs, and be a part of something bigger than yourself. Visit caneighbors.com to learn more about how you can get to know your neighbor and strengthen your community. Neighbor to Neighbor, it takes a neighborhood. Hello. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.